Good morning, Wrestling Inc. Happy Tuesday. That is right. It's noon Eastern here on the YouTube channel for Wrestling Inc., where we are live here recording the news segment for the Winkly. It is me, your managing editor, Nick Hausman. And joined here, as I will be every Tuesday going forward, it is the wonderful Michael Weissman. Michael, welcome to the Winkly. I appreciate that, buddy. Thank you so much. Every Wednesday, or every Tuesday. I got it right. Yeah. Don't <laughs> Every show Tuesday. Labar, oh, well. will be, Labar will be here tomorrow and Thursdays. He's Wednesday, Thursdays. But, Mike, you and I, we're going to get to explore pro wrestling news every Tuesday. I'm stoked about it, man. I really enjoyed the work you and Fritz do with Between the Ropes. I've enjoyed chatting with you. I think... I think we can have good chemistry here. Is what we, we just gotta we gotta work on it a little bit. You know, you didn't show up as a tender match for me just yet, but if we keep this thing going, one of these days you and I will match. I promise. What I'm I have a I have a girlfriend of like two years now. I'm not on Tinder. She do not say that. If she there, hears if she hears that, she's gonna get pissed. <laughs> well, it, it's not typical Tinder. You know, everybody has a podcast nowadays, so they had to create a Tinder for podcasting where you find your ideal podcast partner. The way is, it that works. A, is that a real thing? It should be though, right? It that's should be. A, that's a good <laughs> idea. That's Just came really, up with it right now. That's a really good idea. Oh man, we are starting it. hot here. Uh, all right. Well, it is the Winkly. We are Wrestling Inc.'s official news punditry show three days a week. Like I said, Tuesday through Thursday moving forward. Uh, if you're watching us live here, thank you so much. Of course, you can always find us on the uh, Wrestling Inc. Audio iTunes channel. Go over there, subscribe. You'll get the full audio of this. And if you listen on iTunes, you listen to the podcast-only version, you get bonus audio. And today, big piece of bonus audio. After Michael and I wrap up talking the news, I have an exclusive half-hour interview with the man who has dropped his new book today. Uh, it is DDP. DDP is going to be on the show here later, Michael. Very exciting. Very Does exciting. he talk about DDP yoga? That's... Oh, yeah. <laughs> we talk about DDP yoga, but of course, DDP was in Cody's corner at uh, All In. Sure. In you the run-in run fest that was that match. You're exactly right. I remember that. He, he dropped a diamond cutter there. Ray Lloyd was also in Cody's mm -hmm. corner, better known as Glacier. Um, so we, I asked DDP about the launch of AEW being at All In. So you don't just get, uh, you know, and I did read this 300-plus page book to, to do the interview. So you're going to get to hear about the book for sure. I did not do that for not. But you're also going to get to hear his take on some pretty uh, cool news stories going on right now at the moment. So stay tuned. If you're listening here on, on YouTube, go over, listen on iTunes, find that interview. And if you're listening on iTunes, thank you very much. Tell a friend to subscribe. Um, and uh, I got more news. I got another announcement, but I'm going to save it for the end of the show. It is about okay. the Royal Rumble and a party I'm hosting here in Chicago. But uh, we'll save that for the end. Let's Am I invited? Right That's the real question. Am I invited to your party? Oh, Mike, if you can get to Chicago, buddy, you're invited. You know, I was making bi bi yearly trips to Chicago for a couple of years there. It was awesome. It's a great city. I love Chicago, dude. All of my friends in the past two years that were wrestling friends have become wrestling journalists because of the work that I do. So there's a healthy community here in Chicago, <laughs> wrestling journalists. We'd like to come hang out. They all we all do it now. It's bizarre awesome. how it just it all ants marching kind of deal. Uh, but let's get to the news here today. Uh, the big story leading off this morning, Wrestling Observer, clarifying why Braun Strowman was pulled from the Royal Rumble main event against Brock Lesnar, where he was set to face off for the Universal Championship. Apparently, this decision was not a knee-jerk last-minute decision. The plan had been to change the match for a while. Apparently, Vince saw Braun was cooling off at Crown Jewel. Uh, he also saw he was injured. He didn't want to have him beat so quickly here, as they do have long-term plans for Braun. 
Uh, Finn Balor was the man chosen to replace uh, Braun Strowman. He got the win last night. Big John Cena put him over big at the end of the show. Um, and apparently the reasoning here is Braun likes to work with opponents like uh, Finn Balor. He's enjoyed his matches with AJ Styles. Um, and uh, it looks like longer term plan here is uh, at WrestleMania to have Brock versus Seth Rollins for the universal title at WrestleMania. Still the plan. So, um, you know, they, they knew about the they knew they were going to pull this move. Uh, but they uh, apparently in the same report here said they didn't want to worry about slowing down ticket sales by pulling this match too quickly. Uh, what do you think about the way they handled removing Braun from this match? And uh, what do you think of Finn Balor as his replacement, Mike? I think it's about two weeks too late. I mean, I think it's great. It's awesome. Let me say that. I'm not dismissing the idea. It's fantastic. This is what I expected last week, really. I mean, when you say you're going to do a brand new uh, refresh, reboot, get the fans what they want. That was what I had in mind. Finn Balor is the, he's the wrestler of the people here, right? He's the one the fans have gotten behind, despite the fact that he is not Vince McMahon's prototypical guy. And the fact that they went this direction is awesome. It had me excited. I like the storyline change. I think it's weird. It's about a limo and Vince McMahon and blah, blah, blah. Yeah. But you could, you know, but you can tell the fans got behind Finn last night. And honestly, here's the thing about it, right? Love Braun Strowman to death. He's a big guy. He's, he's got that kind of, he's got his character down pat. But Braun Strowman has always felt like the guy that we came to accept because we're like, we will take him. He is the Vince McMahon prototype, but he's the one we can stomach as opposed to some of the other ones which we reject. And I think Finn really does feel like that more organic, fresh face, fresh change. And I think the matchup with Brock has a lot of potential. I loved what Daniel Bryan and Brock did last year. I love what AJ Styles and Brock did. So Finn and Brock could be a lot of fun. Obviously, Brock's going to go over, I think. But it's a true underdog baby face. We didn't even get that with Brian last year. So I think it's a great dynamic here. I, I agree with you. It's just a little weird to me that they're just now getting back behind Finn like this. And, you know, they've heated him up the past couple of weeks. You know, he was even before the fresh start initiative, you know, he was the bugs bunny uh, to the Daffy duck. That was uh, a Baron Corbin there. And uh, you know, between that and then over the past couple of weeks, through this fresh start, getting that renewed push, make of it what you will that AEW is just happening to launch at the same time right now. And all these bullet club guys are all of a sudden uh, a lot more uh, of a center of attention. I I'm with you. I I'm excited to see this bout, but it does, you know, seem like this is just filler, right? For Brock to get to WrestleMania where he's going to do the business uh, with Seth Rollins. This could, this could be a good match. It could also be a total massacre. It could be a slaughter. You know? It could be. You it know. could be. I mean, we, they, they could have done that with Daniel Bryan and they didn't. They found ways to work around it. So I think there's still potential. I'm okay with the long-term booking also because I think at some point it leads us back to Seth Rollins versus Finn Balor for the Universal Championship. And that is a feud and a match I can get behind. Uh, well, also on Monday Night Raw last night, there were a couple other news items coming out of the show. Uh, we were just chatting about Seth Rollins. He was involved in an intercontinental triple threat match with Bobby Lashley and Dean Ambrose. And lo and behold, new intercontinental champion, Bobby Lashley, I, I mean, Dean and Seth really did not need to have a title on the line. I think this is a great way to wean Seth out of that icy title picture. And, you know, I'm kind of 70-30 with Bobby Lashley, Leo Rush. Like, I largely enjoy them, but I still think there's, like, a lot. There's too much, like, stupid shtick still <laughs> yeah. in their routine that I wish they would iron out and focus more on Lashley as, you know, just this monster powerhouse. 
Sure. I mean, get, get, don't get me wrong. I loved the celebration. Bobby Lashley grabbing the belt and running around with it like it is the his prize. But keep in mind, this guy's a former world champion in Impact Wrestling, like big name. But he celebrated and put it over so much winning that championship. The announce team did a great job. First time ever for him winning this belt. So I thought it was a fun moment. He's the right guy, especially as we're talking about kind of having a babyface challenging Brock for the Universal Championship down the line this month at the pay-per-view, putting the gold on um, Bobby Lashley is a good choice. Bobby Lashley has needed something. A, an intercontinental title reign could do a lot for him with this new persona, him and Leo Rush. You know, and that's the thing. is like, you know, when they originally brought Lashley back and they weren't really doing anything with him and he was just bland Bobby Lashley, you know, it really wasn't clicking with people. You know, they, they had him turn heel. They paired him with Leo Rush. He was talking out of his butt, literally, for a little while there, Ace Ventura style. And but you could tell they were trying things out, right? And now that you know, again, I'm 70 30. I wish there's still some more shtick they'd bang out of it. Sure. But with, but with him having a, a very good mouthpiece, there seems to be good chemistry there with that icy title. I I'm with you, man. I think this is the most compelling Bobby Lashley has been on WWE TV in like a long time. I'm interested to see how far they take it with him. He is a monster, and you've got to I mean that shtick stuff does take him back a few pegs every time. Leo Rush is the kind of guy you need. Bobby Lashley should not be his own mouthpiece, as has been proven. But just the size, the physique, really does drive home that he is a monster. I love the finish of this match, where he hits... Number one, that was a great match. Like, like let's not discount this. Those three men put on a, a, a spectacular showing last night. But number two, hitting the spear out of nowhere and, and just kind of demolishing Dean Ambrose was really a, a great heel moment for him. So it's 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 a good a good thing for him. Uh, there were other uh, there were other fresh faces. There were fresh faces, I should say, on WWE Raw last night. We're starting to see uh, this new talent coming up from uh, NXT. Uh, Nikki Cross. Let's start mm -hmm. there. I thought she looked great. The crowd was digging her. Very different energy than the other women she was in the ring with. Of those that debuted last night, I thought that I thought that she was far and away the most successful. Well, they gave her the biggest spotlight, and I think that helps. I mean, you had EC3 there, and he's kind of in a backstage segment, and we can talk about uh, War Machine, all that stuff. But I think that her position coming out there and kind of being spotlighted in a longer segment gave her time to breathe. This is a weird character for the fans who, who watch the women's division to kind of accept. She's so totally different. But you got to see all the different facets of her character in action. And so you kind of start feeling that. You know, the video packages have definitely helped us get to this moment, but I'm, I'm glad they spotlighted her. I'm worried that she could get lost on the main roster with, with so much talent they have right now, but I, I'm less worried about it after last night. Yeah, I, Nikki, I felt good about, um, but you're right. They gave her a spotlight. They gave her a chance to actually shine. And I feel like each of these talents should have had more of a more of an opportunity like that. You know, it's weird that they all kind of got pushed out of the nest here all at the same time on the same show, except for Lars, who we'll get to here in just a little bit. But Nikki looked good. Lacey was just backstage, the best of my knowledge, right? Just kind of a quick. Yeah. EC3 was just waiting in line to talk to Mr. McMahon, flexed his pecs. I was like, what? What is happening? What? Why? Right? It's like the gorilla debuts of all these characters, right? It's like you're waiting week after week, and all of a sudden, there they are, just backstage wandering around. Man, EC3 is like bred for WWE main roster yes. right now. He's got that look. He's got that confidence. He's good on the mic. I didn't get this at all. I mean, him and Lacey definitely deserve better. Now, I put up uh, on social media, I didn't really like the way they debuted Otis in the uh, Moment of Bliss segment, which we can get to now. Heavy machinery, him and him and Tucker with the weird kind of pop-up, like what's going on here as Alexa was at the same time debuting the women's tag titles and Paul Heyman is uh putting over this upcoming match with with Finn and Brock. 
lot going all at the same time. I didn't, I just didn't like it because, you know, yes, I get it. They are comedy characters in NXT. I do watch NXT. I'm very familiar with heavy machinery, but you're, you only get one chance to make a first impression. And if the audience's first impression is these guys are silly, non-threat, where are the stakes for that? Where do you take it? Like, even if you're a comedy act, I would prefer there to be some grit or edge to your debut, some some mysteriousness to it, a, ser- a seriousness to it. Even when Dolph and Elias were just backstage, ominously kind of walking around, you knew there was something to those guys. This, to me, right out of the gate, you know, feels a little too silly for me, especially for guys that are, you know, brawny in their way. I just think it could have been a little bit stronger. And again, when you've got, when you're already announcing the, the women's tag titles for the first time, you already got Paul there just too much going on for me. I think a lot of this stuff could have breathed and, and been given its own moments. I, I want to talk about the Alexa bliss stuff here in a second, but I think to your point about heavy machinery, their name implies some level of doom and gloom. Uh, they have the physique for it. They can be badass in the ring. Right. And yet, they're kind of being relegated to being slapstick characters. And once you go that route, nobody, it is 10 times harder to give them any kind of credible storyline that involves them going after gold. Now, comedy can work. I, I think you look back at what Heath Slater and Rhino did a few years ago. They were totally comedic characters that the fans got behind because of the way they were booked. Once you go this far in the slapstick territory, and once you make that their calling card the very first time the general audience sees them, you're going to lose people. Also, this whole segment was weird. I, I think I like the idea of Alexa Bliss and Paul Heyman up there on the stage. I think yeah. it's great. I, I love the Alexa Bliss talk show being on the stage. It's a cool little setup. Yeah. But you first off, you led into this with a, a really terrible, weird segment of a backstage guy accidentally walking in on Alexa Bliss undressing, which very oh, much right. felt... Yeah, it was. It felt like a throwback to the Attitude Era or TV 14 era where it was like, look, we're treating her like a sex object. And then you next go into this moment where there was so much going on here with Paul Heyman and the tag team titles. I, I think the women's tag team titles were the unfortunate victim of this entire thing in what should have been a much bigger moment. It's Santa Vince all over again, really. It's, it, you're right. And it is weird how they have been slipping some more Attitude Era stuff in here. Yeah, there was like the little, oh, are you going to see Alexa Bliss naked? kind of deal here um there's been other stuff too i I, yeah i don't know i get it there's new sharks swimming in the water you're you know trying to claim your territory and everything um but uh yeah i don't know it it did 1.4 million views on youtube i guess right before i went live here i saw that so at least there's interest i guess but you've worked for years to shed this kind of chicanery right this is what you've worked so hard to get away from so you can have golden crisp as your your sponsors why go back to it you don't need to well well, um, again, it's like, what's the interest level? You know, live live attendance is down. Viewership yeah. is down. TV, you know, you've got, again, you know, Impact is willing to go edgier. AEW, what are these guys going to do? Before you lose the market on that kind of material, you know, maybe this is their way of laying claim a little bit is by sprinkling some of it throughout the show. So, yeah, I mean, could that's, be. that's that's where my headspace was at, you know, when I, uh, uh, when I, when I think about it. Um, let's, uh, let's switch gears here. Well, let's actually, before we do, Let's uh, finish talking on the women's tag titles. They did officially debut it last night. Uh, WWE World's Women Tag Team Championships. It sounds like these belts are going to be uh, defended across brands, right? This didn't seem like yeah. they're going to they're gonna have one series of, of, of champions, it seems like. Mm-hmm. And it's going to be the winner will be decided in a six-women tag team elimination chamber match after the Royal Rumble, correct? Yes. And, and three teams, or they say three teams is what they mentioned. Did they say four teams? I think it's six teams. I think oh, it's six teams. Okay. Okay. They've, they've done six person tag matches in the past. Yeah. 
16, 16 where you put two of them in the pot at the same time. I know that's happened. I'm just not good at math is the problem. That's that's the real problem. <laughs> so I would guess, yeah, after the rumble here, good, you know, good. I'm glad they're planting the seeds for this and, and making it feel important like that. Um, you know, they're going to be building into this elimination chamber match to, to crown these these first ever women champions. So but it'll be a great vine to swing from, you know, on Monday Night Raw, the night after the Rumble, and we'll see who qualifies. Uh, now, the other bit of news here, we talked about all the fresh faces uh, making their debuts on Monday Night Raw. Uh, one we have not seen yet, which is kind of surprising, is Lars Sullivan. Uh, the Observer reporting the plan for Lars uh, was to face John Cena at WrestleMania. I guess that's kind of up in the air right now because this is a weird story. Lars Sullivan either left early or did not show up to raw or SmackDown last week where he was set to debut, um, due to anxiety issues. Hmm. Um, which look, my brain's not so great. I know a lot of other people that, you know, deal with all kinds of other mental issues and stuff. Anxiety is, is heavy. Right. And I would love to talk to this guy about how, I mean, how bad, how bad is it to be turning down, your TV debut alongside John Cena. I mean, and if he can't do it right out of the gate, you know, what does it say about the long-term future of Lars? Obviously it doesn't paint a pretty picture. It's one of those situations. It reminds me a lot of what happened with Mara Ronaldo a few years ago and his mental health struggles and um, real life really does incapacitate these larger than life superstars sometimes. And it's a real thing. You think about somebody like Lars Sullivan, he is truly a larger than life guy he is a monster and you think about anxiety as being a part of that and it really humanizes uh your image of him and to me it's got to be serious if he's turning down he's worked his whole life for last week's moment if he is turning that down at this stage it's got to be a real serious thing now it's that constant struggle that we have where pro wrestling football all of these things historically have been a tough guys thing right you go into this you get a concussion you just play on and you know you don't you never show weakness and we're in a different age here in 2019 we, we we're worried about concussions we're worried about mental health and so to me it's like how as a company does wwe respond to this lars sullivan had the road in front of him Mm-hmm. Um, and he had he had to pull himself out of that. Is WWE going to be gun shy in the future about this? We had the same conversation about Daniel Bryan. Were they going to be gun shy about Bryan and giving a belt to him because he had had injuries and concussions before? They weren't. But I always worry in a situation like this, will the company, will Vince McMahon be a little less likely to get behind them due to an incident like this? Not that I think they should. Right. I think there's a lot to work out here. Um, and the question is, are there things Lars can do uh, to work through it? Can he, you know, can he show that this is just kind of a thing that will pop up from time to time, but they can work around? I don't know. I'm not in his headspace. And I, I think, you know, we definitely should be sympathetic to him as well for whatever he's he's struggling with at this point. Tough spot, man. Uh, there's a guy, TJ Jagodowski here in Chicago. He, uh, You guys may know him better as one of the two guys from the Sonic commercials that are always in the car together. Which one uh, is he? He's the taller blonde guy. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. So TJ, believe it or not, is probably one of the greatest uh, improv comedians on the face of the planet. Him and his partner Dave, TJ and Dave, have toured the whole world doing improv. TJ suffers from a weird form of vertigo where uh. if he feels like too many people are looking at him, he spins and he, like, passes out. And he could not He could not get – he was offered an SNL gig, like, years ago, I'm told, and had to turn it down because he medically, like, wouldn't be able to perform an SNL. And, like – if you see him and Dave now, they perform in like 50 to 80 person cabarets that are dimly lit. And uh, there's a reason for that. So, you know, it's it's just a, it's unfortunate stories. I just thought I'd share that one because it's the it kind of reminded me of what's going on with Lars. Um, and sometimes, you know, you do lose opportunities, unfortunately, because of just, you know, your makeup. And I, I would hate to see that happen here with Lars. But 
if you can't make plans, if you can't book a guy, if you can't tell a story, what do you do with him? You sure. know, is he, does he remain an NXT draw, which he would be great at? So it's, I don't know. It's, it's a thing for me where I always like to remind people, everybody's path and what success looks like is very different from person to person, right? To all of us, we're seeing this a situation where Lars missed out on a huge opportunity, which I think is true. However, if he can find the right niche that allows him to balance his mental health, maybe it is NXT, whatever it is, and his professional career and still maintain some level of success, that might be the right fit for him. Not everybody has to be the top of the card world champion traveling 52 weeks a year. Send him over to the UK. Have him just beat up the UK division. <laughs> they got Walter for that. We're good. We're good. Oh, dude, Walter. Lo- yeah, I did yeah. actually put that on the sheet here because yeah. I haven't watched the NXT UK oh. takeover show. I have to watch it today. Spoiler. Sorry. My bad. No, no. I know what happened. I know what happened. I saw the Walter bit. I saw him lay out that kid with that huge chop. Man, let's just top and take a second here because we're about to yeah. jump into our, yeah. our updates and returns and signing segment of the show anyway. Walter is officially with WWE. Confronted Pete Dunne at the end of TakeOver. Holy hell, this man looks like a superstar on screen. I mean, this this is this is why you keep the title on Pete Dunn for 600 days or whatever. Yes. yes. Right. Yes. So that this guy finally comes along. The one thing Pete Dunn can't beat, the story means so much more, Mike. Michael. Listen, top to bottom, kudos to those NXT UK cats. They put on a heck of a show the other day. If you haven't watched it, go out of your way to go watch it. It was it was totally worthwhile. I, I think it was very under the radar here in America, but but it really did once you kind of got into it. Like it was an incredible show. But that's that final segment between Walter and Pete Dunn, it was electric in a way. And and I just love the fact that Pete Dunn is this tinier dude and he is just like oh hell no i'm gonna stand here and i'm gonna stare you down i'm not afraid of anything i am the champion and it says so much about both of these characters without saying anything at all that's gonna be the that's gonna be the feud to put the uh, nxt uk program on the map because yes i'm gonna go out of my way to to, to seek out walter and pete dunn and uh you know before that it was like tyler Bate and pete dunn amazing match i think it was like a year and a half ago in chicago really no follow-up to it so happy to see Walter in the mix. Yeah, him and Dunn, what great chemistry. I agree with you. The visual there was just awesome. Um, other uh, recovery updates, every type of uh, news. PW Insider reporting Sami Zayn, Sin Cara, and a handful of others are have been spotted down at the uh, Performance Center recovering. Of course, Sami Zayn, they're already uh, running uh, commercials or vignettes uh, saying his return is going to be imminent. Um, but we've also heard him on Jericho's show saying he's not so close. He's uh, he's taking the Daniel Bryan path on social media and is really just taking on some advocacy. I I would think that I'm, him and Daniel Bryan would be a natural fit for each other on the main roster when he comes back. That's what I want to see, at least. Right? Yeah, that would be that'd be fantastic. I think the fans would get behind it. It would it would, you know, really have a, a certain level of indie credibility to it that I think would fight up against AEW. If you want to say that's a great kind of feud to put up against that, but uh, or, or pairing to put up against that. But uh, yeah, Sami Zayn. I think he's been out longer than any of us expect. I'm not worried about it, though. I think Sami Zayn, they put, listen, everybody was worried that when they brought him up to the main roster, they wouldn't do anything with him. Look at what Sami Zayn has been able to do. And he had great feuds with Kevin Owens. He was put up against Bobby Lashley. They've done a lot with him. So I feel pretty confident that when he does come back, he'll be able to regain his spot pretty quickly. Uh, I hope so. Uh, We'll talk about regaining his spot quickly. Uh, We'll see if Alexa Bliss can do that. She was at the Ace Comic Con in Arizona. Uh, She said she's very close to a return. She's noted how difficult it is to identify those concussion symptoms. When are you really cured? It's not really something you can see like a broken arm. Uh, So we have an update about that for her. Uh, Also, uh, Trevor Lee announced at CWF Mid-Atlantic, former Impact Wrestling superstar Trevor Lee, that he has officially signed with WWE. 
Um, great signing here. I love Trevor Lee's work in Impact Wrestling. I know that he rolls deep with the Hardys as well, so didn't catch me uh, too off guard to see him in the mix. But he doesn't look like your traditional WWE guy. This is a caveman that's yeah. going to be taking over WWE. I'm stoked. Number one, super excited because he is a North Carolina original, just like the Hardy Boys. And as as representing here in C, like I, I love these guys. It was a his his show this weekend was a CWF show here in um, the Carolina. So it's awesome. Trevor Lee is a unique guy. He's a unique cat, hard worker. He's young. He's got the right connections in the biz. He's proven that he can go in the ring. I think what they do with him in NXT is going to be really interesting. I hope they lean into his unique look and do something with him. NXT tends to do this, but um, I love it. I think it's a great hire, and I think it feels like one of those hires that WWE, listen, Trevor Lee is great. I think he's still a couple years out from being really awesome, and I think what NXT and WWE is trying to do here is grab him up before he gets to that next level with Ring of Honor and then AEW or whoever else wants to pay him bigger money. Uh, man. And uh, on that note, what a great segue here. Uh, Sean Michaels was talking to sky sports lockup podcast and he was putting over how much he's enjoying working down in developmental training guys like Trevor Lee. Isn't that crazy to think about a guy like <laughs> a guy like Trevor Lee with all that talent, right? And you're talking about, Oh, he needs that right kind of polish who better to mentor Trevor Lee, the John Michaels, Mike, that's where we're at right now in wrestling, you know? God, it's it's so fantastic. Shawn Michaels is by many considered to be one of the greatest performers of all time. Uh, and I love this fit for Shawn Michaels. I, I can't tell you how much. Everybody wants to see him back in the ring, and he says, no, I'm done with that. Yeah, he's done. It's awesome to have him in developmental. You don't understand. Uh, listen, I'm a fan of Shawn Michaels, but knowing he will influence the next generation of superstars that come into the ring has me so excited, so excited. Yeah, I heard he got something like ten million for the the crown jewel match yeah. he had with Hunter or something like that. Some ridiculous <laughs> sum of money where he nearly killed himself doing that move right. to the outside. He's not. Listen, you can have him back tomorrow, next week, next month in the ring. He'll never be the Shawn Michaels he was five years ago, or ten years ago, twenty years ago, right? No. Well, he doesn't have any hair anymore. You know, <laughs> <laughs> like he can't. He can't go yeah. back. Change that uh, sexy boy music to um, uh, what is it? Retirement boy. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, well, we have some highlights from Sean's chat with uh, Sky Sports Hub over on Wrestling Inc. Uh, but yes, he did say he's enjoying his time in developmental, but not looking to wrestle. Um, and if you're looking to watch NXT, good news for you. Uh, WWE signed a new deal with Endeavor Streaming. So they're switching streaming providers that host the WWE Network. I'll read you the statement here on the move here from WWE. Endeavor Streaming's best-in-class technology enables us to offer more features, elevate the user experience, and provide us even more opportunity to delight our fans around the world. Um, I know that Lavi Margolin, who writes for Wrestling Inc. now, is going to be diving a little bit deeper into exactly what this means on the business end, but uh, it seems good on the surface here that they would be up, upping their provider. Who else does that provider service? Is the release say? Uh, I'd have to go back. I don't remember. Yeah. The release. yeah. It's but an interesting choice. Go ahead. Well, I said I was going to say, I know their current provider, Bam Tech, I think, was working with Major League Baseball, which is, right. you know. Well, and, and if you could go back to five years ago when the network debuted or however long it was, when they debuted the network, MLB was one of the few other services to have their own live sports streaming. MLB got out there early. WWE got out there early. It made a sense. The network game is totally different. Here we are in 2019. So it must be a good choice for WWE. There are still some weird kinks we get sometimes. Must be a good business decision. I like it. Yeah, and again, you know, watch the site. We're going to have Lavi taking a deeper dive into exactly what the story means. But uh, before we throw to DDP, let's talk about AEW. How are we going to do? How are we going <laughs> to start our Winkly Week without a deep dive into all things AEW? So first of all, Chris Jericho was chatting with WSVN TV 
Um, he did say that he's uh, been in group chats with Roman Reigns, first of all, and said that Roman seems to be recovering well. So I thought I'd put that out there. But he also said that when he made the decision to sign with AEW, he did talk to Vince about it. He told Vince about it and apparently did not adversely affect their relationship. I find that somewhat difficult to believe. Um, you know, he said similar things when he originally showed up in New Japan, remember? And was like, oh, Vince, you know, at a certain point, I would think that Vince is not happy with Chris continuing to work elsewhere other than WWE, you know? But, but it kind of echoes the same things that they said, the conversations with, you know, Triple H had with the Young Bucks and Cody and that all, all, all that stuff kind of came out and everybody was like, there weren't any bridges burnt. You know, I, I think at a certain point, this is a business and Vince McMahon is a businessman. And I think while there is that personal relationship, if Chris Jericho is as open with Vince as he says he is, Vince can only do so. I mean, it's as simple as this. Vince, listen, I want to be representing a new company. And Vince says, I already got my card full right now. That's not, I mean, keep in mind, they brought Jericho back last year for the greatest Royal Rumble after he was doing his new Japan thing already. So that kind of stuff gets funky because it's business, but I, I take him at his word. Yeah, and you know, here's the, but Vince and Hunter and WWE, they lost, right? They didn't get the Bucks and Kenny right. and, Cody and uh all of this. They or Jericho. So that's why I say it's like great, I get it. Publicly, everybody's shaking hands. I was at the AEW rally. I remember Cody looking at us directly in the face as the press when he was talking about how Joey Janela could still do Joey Janela's spring break and saying, we want to be friends with everybody. Sure. We want to be friends with everybody. But these guys only have two shows in nine months. Of course they want to be friends with everybody. Their workers got to work somewhere. You know? But it, this is the whole thing about why they're bringing back the X or why Vince McMahon is bringing back the XFL. You always want what you want. And if you get it, that's great. But it leads to complacency. The fact that, to your point, they lost here they means lost. they're going to go and they're going to be that much more competitive. So sometimes if you're a creative individual or a business individual, whatever else, sometimes when you lose, it drives you that much further. And I think that's what we're going to have here. Uh, well, some other updates here about AEW, all of which came from uh, the Wrestling Observer, either radio or newsletter in the past four or five days. Uh, Alex Marvez from SiriusXM, who co-hosted uh, the rally with Conrad Thompson, apparently looks like he's likely to be a commentator for AEW. Uh, on the notes, uh, you brought up the contracts there. Hangman Page's uh, offer from WWE apparently was to go work in NXT for a deal that would see him making main roster money, but they were looking at him for NXT. Now the Bucks apparently were offered a deal similar to AJ Styles, where I guess they'd go right to the main roster, make that money. And they would also be allowed to put being the elite on the WWE network. Now this was an interesting offer here from Hunter, who was very hands-on with it. Apparently he talked with the Bucks and, and these guys for like 12 hours, couldn't make a deal. He said, uh, we have a six month window where if you're unhappy with the way you're treated at WWE for whatever reason, you could terminate the contract, which was very, I've never heard anything like that. In, That's bizarre. In That's, but at the same time, it's like, okay, you get through that six months. What happens at, at the seventh month? Sure. If all of a sudden you become unhappy, you know? Well, it almost seems like if you're the Bucks, you can take advantage of that and show up for six months and then go back and still do AEW. But that's that's kind of burning a bridge at that point. <laughs> well, uh, also, well, while the negotiations with Hunter didn't work out, apparently Hunter did enjoy the being the elite segments where Kazarian was playing him and he gets super kicked and laid out several times. So, again, haha, we're all shaking hands. We're all, we're all having so much fun, even if we're not all necessarily doing this business that each other right. wants to be doing. Um, and with that, Kenny Omega apparently has also turned down a WWE offer that was very generous. I've heard, I've, I've read what I've read in, in Dave's bits about, you know, the generous offer. I've also heard just through my own, because I was out on the road talking to a lot of people. I can't confirm this because I'm not Kenny, but I heard they made him a very large 
offer in regards to their video game department because mm. he really loves video sure. games. Sure. So these offers, I would love to see what they were because I know they were very inventive. But uh, according to Dave here, Kenny's contract is up at the end of January. He's going to do uh, the rest of uh, the next New Japan show. Or no, he's off the next New Japan show. He's he's not. Uh, it's no. Kushida who's, yep. based, who's facing uh, Tanahashi. Um, but Kenny is going to be uh, done with uh, New Japan February 1st. He's not going to WWE and looks likely to be uh, another feather in the cap of AEW. He's going with his friends. I'm not shocked by that. I'm not entirely either. I think there was potential for Kenny Omega to show up and change the game and, and WWE. Also, though, when you've seen WWE for the last couple of years, it makes these guys gunshot. I, I think it's crazy to me that WWE is offering these kind of inventive deals. You mentioned Hangman Page possibly going to NXT for main roster money, putting yeah. be, being the elite on the WWE Network, Kenny Omega getting a sweetheart deal and video game stuff in there. All of that's crazy because a few years ago, WWE was like, here's our offer. Take it or don't. We don't care. And and, and I, I think it says something about where WWE is, especially with Hunter steering the ship a little bit differently. But then again, these guys love their independence. They crave building and reinventing the game and doing something new. And so it's all lining up the way that I think Cody and the Bucks have envisioned for quite some time now. Yeah, man, it's all catching up, you know? You know, I, I've always referred, I've always looked at power as waves, man. Some days sure. it's coming in, some days it's coming out, you know? And uh, that's why, you know, in the business of wrestling, they always say, be good to the people on the way up. Because when you're on the way down or the, the tides change, you never know who you're going to want to have been uh, good friends with. To, uh, Absolutely. Forward. They must uh, have a good TV deal, too. That's what I'm going to say, too. Kenny Omega turning down WWE deal. They, AEW's got to have something lined up. I mean, you've heard the rumors from Ross and everybody else, but they've got to have something there that says Kenny Omega's like, all right, I can put up not being on TV every week if I'm going to be over there instead. Well, um, I'm about to, uh, well, we're going to go to DDP here in just a second. Uh, but regards to TV, I have another interview I'm dropping tomorrow on the Winkley that I haven't announced yet. And I've already got it in the can, so I know I'm releasing it. Do you know who I got to interview uh, yesterday or <laughs> Friday? Uh, give me a hint. Well, they're related to Cody Rhodes. Um, it's his brother. <laughs> oh, okay. it, it, it's gold dust. I interviewed, dust. I interviewed Dustin Rhodes. I got I got access to Dustin, and we were gonna play. The, it's it's really good. He talks all the AEW stuff. It's very sure. good. Um, but uh, the reason we're releasing the DDP interview today is because DDP's new book dropped today. But tomorrow, if you come tune back in and you're still listening, you're gonna get this gold dust interview. But in the interview, I will not be here tomorrow. Though I was told that don't don't yeah. be here tomorrow. Don't show up to work. Yeah, no. But <laughs> but in the gold dust interview that I'm dropping tomorrow, and I'll give a little bit of a tease here. He he says I hope they get a TV deal, as in it was not a done deal yet. So you know, again, this AEW thing. For as much as I know that they've got in the tank, money, connections, talent, it's still very much the Wild West from I've picked yeah. up here. I don't know that they have a set TV deal. I don't know that they have a set roster. Their contracts seem pretty flexible where their guys still get to work everywhere. So I, I still I think there's a lot up in the air in regards to AEW. Um, yeah. Lastly here, though, news-wise, we, we'll get to final thoughts here uh, at the end. But Ring of Honor uh, did Honor Reign Supreme over the weekend. Um, we uh, can confirm that Flip Gordon and Chris Saban were both injured on that show. We don't know the extent of those injuries, but big blow to ROH start the year off, man. Flip Gordon is a franchise player for them. And when I heard he went down, that's not good, man. They're they're in the process of rebuilding the roster and their identity, and they can't be losing guys like Flip or, or Chris too. I mean, but right. Chris is more of a mainstay with Ring of Honor. Well, yeah. and it's guys like that they were kind of building the new people around, guys who had got a lot of heat coming out of, not a heat, but a lot of momentum, I should say, a fire heat coming yeah. out of 2018 to 2019. Yeah. And I think that 
losing somebody like that has a much bigger impact at this stage when there's so much other positive going on around them with AEW, even with WWE right now. So it's fascinating. Yeah. Big yeah. loss. I, I will definitely tell you to go back into the uh, Winkley archives here. Find my interview with uh, Bully Ray about his match with uh, Flip Gordon. Um, it was it was great, uh, awesome to hear, and I hope Flip recovers very quickly. He, sure. he uh, needed on the Ring of Honor roster. Uh, all right, well, it's time for the, if you're listening right now on the podcast version over on iTunes, you're about to hear an interview with DDP. Um, so sit back, relax, and enjoy. Me and Mike will be back at the end of the show. <laughs> At this time, it is my pleasure to welcome to the Winkley WWE Hall of Famer, former WCW World Heavyweight Champion, Diamond Dallas Page. DDP, welcome to the Winkley. Hey, good to be on, bro. Uh, well, very exciting time for you. Uh, you have your new book, Positively Unstoppable. It is available for pre-order right now. Actually, as we talk, I think I'm going to release the audio for this the day it comes out, so it should be available now. Tuesday, January 15th. Now, I've read the book, DDP. I really enjoyed it. It's a quick read for all of you out there that are intimidated by books. Um, is it? <laughs> it's. I mean, come on. It's true. So people get really intimidated. I mean, I, in your book, you talk about how no, you. Dude, yeah. I right? get it. And there's a reason why I wrote it like that, because I wanted it to be a quick read that people could get and really consume and actually, you know, possibly not just, you know, change their life, but help them own their life, you know? And that is a great way to describe the book. Um, and I had a question. Do you consider this book uh, positively unstoppable? Is this an autobiography or a self-help book? How would you categorize this? Um, I think it's more of self-help, um, mainly because I use different pieces of my life as examples because I overcome a lot of adversities. And they just didn't just happen. You know, <laughs> they had to put the work in all the way through it. And I use other people's examples as well, right. because everybody doesn't, everybody, you know, we found that with in our DDP yoga program, you know, because we have so many amazing transformations, but everybody taps into somebody different. You know, what makes you, you know, want to, you know, change your life and own your life? What makes you want to do that? It could be disabled veteran arts performance video, or it could be Chris Jericho's story. Two completely different stories. Uh, yeah, and I mean, what made you think that now was the right time to put those stories together with your story and write this book? Well, more than anything, you know, my program, you know, my whole DDP yoga program, people, you know, they they understand it's a workout and they understand there's eating, you know, ways if you want to, you know, take control of your life, there's certain ways you have to eat. And I show you that, but I try to explain to people just like I did to Arthur Borman, the disabled veteran. As important as the program is, the workout, as important as the eating plan is, that's 10% of the equation. The 90% is between your ears. The 90% is what comes down to the story you tell yourself. What is that inner voice inside of you that's going to really determine everything you do? And I wanted to give people more like a workbook, but that was also entertaining and frank and uh and in your face to a certain degree, you know, uh, if you if you read my book, you realize it's real. <laughs> you don't hold back. There's profanities in it. You don't you drop the F-bomb a couple times in the book. I mean, it's a it's a self-help book. Like you said, it's a DDP yoga for men. This is a DDP yoga for men styled book, I think is a great way to describe it. Um, and you got you got Mick Foley to write the forward for you. We'll start there. I got a couple other questions about the book, but of all the people you've helped. Why, why Mick? Why did you think Mick was the right person to set the stage for this book? 
Well, he's one of the best writers going. I mean, that forward, I think the forward is, it's an amazing part of the book. Mm -hmm. Because when Mick tells the story of a ghost that comes 25 years back in time to tell him he's going to write a forward 25 years from then for a, you know, a WWE Hall of Famer, the way the perspective he put on that, uh, that forward is so funny and it's so Mick, but it's, it's endearing and heartwarming as well. So, uh, and Mick's one of the guys that I've helped. You know, so uh, I wanted that to be one of the people that wrote it. And when I thought about the forward, I really didn't think about anybody else but Mick. What did you think of the forward? I thought it was really funny. I mean, it's really candid. You know, it's very in mixed voice. You know, like you say, he's conversational. And that's the thing is, this is a very, it's supposed to be a very relatable book. At least that's how I took it. And, you know, Mick is a very relatable guy. I think you're right. I think the whole ghost thing and, you know, kind of reflecting on the on the benefits you brought into his life was, was great. I thought it was awesome. Um, but yeah, for all I the, just, I just love the, the whole, it was original. I never heard it done before either. Yeah. He's, he's mixed for all the reasons you listed. I mean, mix the right guy to be writing that forward. Um, you know, and as many of the voices as you welcome into the book, mix Arthur's others, you've helped, you know, we've brought up how your voice is in this a lot too. You, you talk about the struggles you've gone through dyslexic as a child, child of divorce, moving around a lot. I mean, was it difficult for you to write about this stuff and relive some of this stuff when you're writing the book? Not really, because I'm pretty, I'm pretty much an open book to a certain degree. And, I, and how is someone going to figure out how they're going to get over whatever issue they're dealing with if you don't have any? You know, and my my whole life, uh, you know, one of the things that Jr. has said to me countless times, and he means it as an endearing compliment. But he said, you're one of the greatest overachievers of all time. You know, I had a lot stacked against me. And uh, I did pretty damn good and continue to. Um, but a lot of it has to do that to be an overachiever, you have to be an overbeliever. And I think the biggest thing that Positively Unstoppable, you know, my book actually gives people, I think it's if they apply what I'm teaching them, it helps give them confidence. And I think everybody needs, you know, the rock doesn't need any confidence. Uh, you know, he doesn't, he doesn't even need builders versus confidence. Uh, you know, uh, Tom Brady doesn't need it. LeBron James doesn't need it. But a lot of the people do. And, and if you're going to be a highly successful person, I mean, you, you should believe in yourself. You should be a highly confident person. It's not a, it's a big surprise that, you know, the people that you see as most confident are sometimes the most successful. And you go back to that a lot in the book, power positive thinking, the 90%, 10% uh, analogy you just used before, which is another talking point in the book. Um, what is the hardest part for you getting people to break down that wall and see life the way that you look at life from that perspective? I think, you know, by the examples I give, I think a lot of people, they want to see that. But the first things that they start to tell themselves is how hard it is. You know, and once you start to change the meaning of the word and understand that it's the hard that makes it great. I mean, really, like, if, I, if you were given 
everything since you were a little kid. And you grew up with that silver spoon in your mouth. And your parents never taught you work ethic. You would take everything for granted. But then instead of a million being, you'll be worth millions, you give some kid who has to work for everything a hundred bucks and they're like super appreciative and willing to work harder to make that other hundred bucks. My point is, is that anything that comes easy, nobody respects. And I'm talking about people who win the lottery. They say that 70% or more of the people who win the lottery are back at the same job they had 10 years later. You know why? Because they didn't have to work for it. They bought a ticket. They got lucky. They put no work in. Now, there's other people who do. And they turn the millions of dollars they make into millions more. And it, it really comes down to there's nothing on this. Can you tell me something? that? What are the biggest things you, that you hold dear, near and dear to your heart, that you've achieved? Well, I, I I achieved a successful relationship with my girlfriend, which is a big thing for me. Um, and you know, question, question, was that easy? No, it took a while to get to this point. She was, uh, I was lucky to right. find her. Yeah, yeah, right. Yes, I'm sure she appreciates hearing this in the podcast right now too. But it's true, you know. <laughs> <laughs> you, uh, you know, you talk about you know succeeding with your goals setting goals, and you talk a lot about the importance of writing things down. It comes up throughout the book. Talk to me a little bit about the importance of writing things down and why, why you felt the need to go back to it as many times as you did in the book. Well, every time, if you look, if you, even if like within the first chapter, you know, when I, I start talking about writing stuff down, but the biggest thing I, that is really, that goes right along with that, repetition is the mother of learning. The more you do something, the more times you do it over and over and over and over again, if it's the right thing, well, it's going to reward you in a whole different way because at some point, you're not even going to have to think about doing it anymore. It's going to become part of your lifestyle. And when that happens, everything gets elevated. So, so many people don't write, oh, yeah, I'm going to write that down. Then they don't. And then they don't achieve it. And they wonder why. No, I wanted to do this. Well, what's your goal? Well, I want to get fit. That's not specific. Like, what do you want? Because before you can really understand what your goal is, you have to understand what you really want and then what you're willing to work for. So the writing it down, like the best example would have been reading. Like me trying to read, probably reading at a third grade level at the age of 30. When I tried to read that first book, and it was Lee Iacocca's autobiography. Right. When I tried to read that first book, if I would have said, that's it, I'm going to learn how to read, I would have said to go, I'm going to read a book from cover to cover. And if I said I was going to do that, like a lot of people do with a diet, and then they last for a week or so, and then life gets in the way, and then they're eating, you know, ho-hos again. You know, if I would have said, I'm just going to do it, and then didn't, like, write it down everywhere, read today, make myself accountable, I never would have done it. Life would have got in the way, like it gets in everyone's way. And, well, <laughs> next thing you know, 
I'd have put that off on the back burner and I'll get to that later. But when you write it down, when you burn your brain, like today, I have alarms. I have alarms on my phone. So I haven't just written it down. I've got it written down and I've got it on my phone and the alarm's going to play music until I actually do it. That's how you stay accountable. So again, repetition's the mother of learning. Just don't think it, ink it, write it down, own it, burn it into your brain. Uh, I've been pretty successful. People would might call it catching lightning in a bottle. Well, I've already caught it two times and I'm about to catch it for the third time. And they say people can't do it once. How come I can do it two and three times? It's it really, you know it's like yeah. if I can do it, you can do it. And that's that's you know, the, we just have to put the work in. Yeah, and and again, you know that keeps coming up in the book is how you know the work you put in and how you fought through so many things. You know the part of the book where you talk about learning to read a book like that, the three hundred sixty-five page Iacocca book. Um, he's not kidding when he talks about writing it everywhere, right? You talk about like obsessively putting post-its all over your house to, to read a page from this book. I thought it was fascinating uh, how late in life you realized you were dyslexic and how your ex-wife Kimberly was the one to bring you, uh, that to your attention. Uh, can you just, I, I don't want to give away the book here, but talk to everybody about that moment and realizing that the way uh, you had looked at your reading disabilities kind of changed, you know, in your 30s there, it would seem. Well, you know, I, I really knew at some point I wanted to be an actor and I just didn't want to not be able to read, you know, I mean, that, because I would just, like I would do anything, I'd, I'd have someone else do it. Tell me what that says. Read that to me, <laughs> you know. Um, it just became something that, a challenge, you know. The biggest thing was I, I was following Tony Robbins at the time and I couldn't read his books but I could buy his VHS tapes. Back then it was uh, cassette tapes. Right, books on tape. And I listened to those. Mm -hmm. And again, it's like when you're listening to something and you hear it over and over and over again, it becomes part of you. You know, and that that's how I, that's what I do. You know, I make it a part of what I'm doing in my everyday life. Uh, the book is not just filled with uh, a lot of tips about how to stay positive and, and achieve your goals. And, of course, there's actual exercises in the back along with recipes and stuff. But as I mentioned, you know, you, you open up a bit about – it's not a full-on autobiography, but you open up a bit about your story. And uh, one of the cooler parts, I thought, was you talking about your time at Fort Myers working as a bartender and how all the wrestlers you had just coming to your bar after a while because you had befriended – uh, Jake the Snake. Uh, do you want to take everybody back to what that uh, – it was just before you had really started wrestling, but you were around the wrestlers. What was that environment like? What were some of the crazy stories from that time with you? Not that it's crazy, just partying, you know, drinking. And, you know, it's funny that me and Jake meet each other in my bar. Yeah. And, you know, the first thing I say to him is, what are we drinking? Mm -hmm. You know, and then – Years later, decades later, I'm like the one who got him to stop drink, drinking. <laughs> you know, uh, that that's pretty funny. Um, but it was just like, a, sometimes they're like God, like God gives you these little, um, these little birth pangs, you know, like things that happen around you are to remind you what you're supposed to do. That's what I see anyway. 
and I tried to wrestle when I was 22 and it didn't work out for me, you know, and then having the boys coming in and out of my club, you know, cause none of those guys were going to pay for drinks. Yeah. Um, it, it just got my brain, you know, focused around it. I was just telling my buddy Rob this story, uh, you know, how I came up with diamond Dallas page and the diamond exchange and the diamond doll. I mean, I came up with it just because I couldn't get it out of my brain. And those guys were in and around my club at the time. And it's funny, the guy who just called me today, Greg, Greg Gagne, he's the first guy to ever give me a break in the business. He's the one who brought me in to try out to be a manager in the AWA. But, you know, it's like there's certain times that God opens those doors around you and do you, do you, do you walk in? You know, it happens all the time to everybody, but a lot of people don't do it because they're afraid they'll fail. I mean, I should have failed on every level, but I didn't. No. I saw, like, I could do it. Like, we have this new contest that's out there. I'm sure you heard of it. Positively Unstoppable Challenge, where someone's going to get a chance. Two people are going to get a chance to win a million dollars. Like, it's real. But... There are people who are on this Facebook group that we have. It's just for the people who are, who are competing, you know, and out there trying to better their lives. The, uh, there's people who already say, well, I know I'm not going to win, but, like, you're right. You're not. Because that's your attitude. You know, there's so many quotes that I say through this book that are mine or someone else's that inspired my life to be where it is today. And, you know, one of them is you say you can or you say you can't, you're right. You know, Henry Ford said that. But I always add to that, but what the hell did he ever do? (laughs) You know, change the world. So, you know, that's, and it's just, it's really just basic knowledge. And it's really not that hard for people to shift if they decide it's not that hard. If they decide it's going to be really hard, it's going to be impossible. You're right. It is. But positively unstoppable challenge that we're doing. We never did that before. We figure it out as we go along and we make mistakes. Okay. We can't do that. Let's do this. All right. Let's try this. You know, Churchill said, um, how did he say it? Uh, success is one failure after another without losing your enthusiasm. <laughs> you, you, ta- you know, it's so true. You talk about Edison failing like 10,000 times making a light bulb in the book as well, I think is another example that you give and how he found 10,000 ways to make a light bulb wrong before finding the right way. Every one of those failures was a little success. You know, I've, Found another way to do it the wrong way. We're not going to do it that way again. Um, very similar. Right. I mean, but again, that's the mindset. Yeah. No. And when you hear it over and over again, you really read the book, and obviously you did. I mean, it can really change your life. Well, and I did read the book. I, again, uh, recommend the book. Um, and another name you talk about that inspired you and helped you make DDP or the one you really attribute for actually crafting DDP is, is Dusty Rhodes. Um, do you want to talk a little bit about your relationship with Dusty and the impact he had on uh, creating the DDP character? 
Well, you know, not so much the character. It was more the confidence. Correct, yes. Um, you know, never underestimate the power someone gives you by believing in you. And Dusty believed in me when nobody did. And But it wasn't as a wrestler. It was more of the character that was on TV. But on top of that, the guy who was he could put in charge of production and I would get interviews done or bring me into a finishing room and, you know, in a production meeting and, and he asked my opinion, you know, I was like, wow. You know, I didn't realize how much heat it was getting me at the time from the other guys, but I didn't care. I, ignorance is bliss, but he never really believed in me as a wrestler until they wouldn't let me manage anymore. And then I started wrestling, and he was super cool to me, good to me. I was at the bottom of, you know, bottom, bottom of the barrel, but he still was super good to me and got me booked, and you know, I got to make some money and learn. Then I tore my rotator cuff and got let go. And then 11 months later, Bischoff rehired me, and I was going to have my meeting with Dusty the next day. And... I went down to power plant where I was always at anytime I wasn't wrestling or anytime I was coming back, I could go down there. Cause I, I led the way in work ethic and dusty was there that day. And he asked me to get in the ring with, uh, this kid. And I worked for about 20 minutes and I got out and I went around from ring to ring and just do my thing. And I do next day, dusty and I had a meeting and, um, he said to me, you know, D, I know you always had this this vision of yourself as a top performer in our business. And then he said, and I got to be honest, D, I never saw it. And I just, he just looked at me. And he, then he said again, I never saw it till yesterday. And then he saw like how hard I was working. And he said to me, he said, you know, D, if you keep doing what you're doing, you just might live this dream. So that was the first time he ever believed in me as a worker. So first guy was Jody Hamilton. Next guy was Jake. Next guy was Dusty. And the next guy was Hulk. So I had some pretty big players that loved me for my work ethic. And that I was getting better and better and better. Nice. So that, you know, again, I, I say it throughout the book. If you're not ready to put the work in, don't read the book. Use it as a book stand, you know, <laughs> to level off your bed or something. Uh Man, it is. Uh, it was kind of spooky hearing you, Dusty, doing your Dusty voice. There, it's it's, it's so the same. Flair, uh, Flair, Flair. Uh, when I did my Dusty in my Hall of Fame speech, Flair loved it. Oh, it's awesome to hear Flair go off about it. It's spooky. Um, you know, obviously your your relationship with the Rhodes family uh, is still very much alive. I'd be remiss if I didn't bring up you were in Cody's corner at All In. He's talked about how supportive you were of him. You brought back the diamond cutter one more time for that event. Um, what do you think of uh, Cody's spot right now launching AEW? I mean, knowing Dusty as well as you do in the Rhodes family, uh, what's your take on what he's doing at the moment? 
fucking amazing. <laughs> like, you know, I fucking, you know, I'm about to put an interview out with him because, like, of course, I knew everything that was happening long before. Sure. And we filmed something. Every last two years, we filmed me talking to, to Cody of what happened this year, meaning last year. And last year, he came white years, you know, from leaving the WWE. And then this year, it's like warp speed. Like, uh, he's like my nephew, you know. So it's just, I'm enjoying watching it, you know. It's amazing. How was it being at All In? What did you feel? The, how was the energy in the room for that for you? Insane. That, that crowd of people, if they can at double or nothing recreate that, who knows where the fuck it's going to go? You know what I mean? Like, who knows? I mean, you, you are. Know, I, I don't. Yeah. To me, you know, I'm, you know, it, I want him to have the greatest success ever. You know, I'm, I'm still WWE dude. You know, um, I, I think that like I would do something for him. I would never, I don't see myself ever doing anything but being like the proud uncle. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, so, I mean, you were so influential during the Monday night war. I mean, do you get some of the same vibes? Is there a kind of a similar energy now that there was 20 something years ago at this point? It's the closest it's ever been. Um, Got to see what's going to happen. Again, I, I can't be in, in the inner on my motivational Monday this week on my, on my app, I'll be talking to Cody for motivational Monday. This is show people what's possible in a year. Yeah. Like one year, how much your life could change. But it was like that the year before for him too. So, you know, but you have to understand, if you look at the belt that Cody was wearing around his waist, on the back, it said, put the work in. Yeah. Like he gets that. Yeah. He gets that. Yeah. It, it's wild. So, yeah. It's awesome. Like, I don't have to, like, he doesn't have to read my book. He's around me all the time. <laughs> you know? Yeah. He's been around me since he was a kid. Yeah. I've been saying the same shit. <laughs> it's not like, you know, it's not like I, you know, just decided to do this. The reason why the book is can change people's lives is because there's a lot there, you know? And the stories are, you know, they're powerful. And if you really pay attention to them, they can, they can help anybody on any level. Um, man, uh, last thing here on that, I got two. I know I've I've about hit my limit here time wise. I want to thank you so much, Dallas. You've been more than uh, giving with your time. Uh, but you attribute Chris Jericho in the book as somebody who really helped you get DDPY off the ground. Oh yeah, yeah. He's one of the first, one of the first big names signed to AEW. I mean. Talk to me about the advice and how he helped you launch a DDPY and also, you know, why he, you know, could be a good addition to AEW and what he brings to the table for that. I think Jericho is one of the most entertaining cats out there, period. You know, from music to wrestling to whatever the fuck he wants to do. Doesn't matter. Chris Jericho gets owning it at a different level. Um the reason why he helped me get DDPY off the ground 
was because he did it. And it friggin' in five weeks, he's 85% fame free in three months. They said his career was over, just like me. He fucking headlines mania with punk. He told everyone and still does today. He will, I mean, if they're talking like, boom, no, you need to do it. You need to do his program. It's like, people will ask him, is it real? Like, dude, yeah. <laughs> I got to pay Chris to talk about it. <laughs> and I, and I, and I begged him, I, I, I begged him, let me take you to Mexico, your whole family. He's like, no, D, I'm good, man. I go, no, I want to pay you back some way. You know, and eventually he let me take his family to Mexico. But it was only because I pestered the shit out of him for a couple of years. Ugh. You know, because I wanted to be able to give him something back, like to relax with his family and let me take care of you for freaking giving me a different level of credibility. Like, for one of the boys to be as vocal as he's been, you know, um, he's always saying, dude, you help me make millions of dollars. Yeah, we're even. <laughs> but, uh, you know, I'm always, I'm always super entertained by what Jericho's going to do next. Uh, you know? Yeah. Yeah. He's, 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 he's fun to watch. We become good friends since leaving wrestling. And uh, I got a ton of respect for this cat, man. And, um, again, I hope he friggin' wrestles when he's been to his 50s. He just shows that shit really works. <laughs> Man, him and Nido, him and Nido Wrestle Kingdom. I don't know if you saw it, but they had, I think, match of the night this year at uh, the biggest show of the year for New Japan. So he's definitely still on fire. He hasn't lost a step. Um, last question. And, and, yeah, and that's the best part. He's forty-eight and he's still going strong. Now he's altered some of his style, but it's still bad to the fucking bone. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> that's the thing is he knows how to adapt and move on and change it up and keep it fresh, and it's great. It's a wonderful time for him in wrestling, as you've noted. And on that note, I will bring up my final question here as I say what a wonderful time it is for pro wrestling because anything is possible in pro wrestling, and I learned that in 2018 because a guy who has stolen your finisher, the diamond cutter, or, or taken it from you, I don't know if you gave it to him or not, but that's ready to rumble star David Arquette. And I would be <laughs> remiss if I did not bring this up before our interview was over. What do you make of David Arquette's triumphant return to pro wrestling in 2018? And are you surprised to see him taking it this seriously? Yes. And yes. Um, I, um, he came to me, he called me first when he was first started and he came to my retreat this year. We do a retreat every year in Mexico. Okay. And it's a great time. He came in for three days of it and he'd already been working with me and, you know, work, doing the program and he treated it like he's doing this sort of by, he's doing this by uh, documentary because he wants to get some respect, respect from the fans. And the funny part is how old are you? I am 33. Okay. So you're part of the group that kind of like him. You know, you grew up with him and ready to rumble and you liked ready to rumble. Cody loves him. All those guys love him. Yes. But it's the older fans who were fucking livid yes. that he won the world title. He didn't book that. He didn't want to do it. And he just wanted to walk away with some kind of respect. That's that's all because he loves wrestling. And I'll tell you what, the shit I've seen him doing, I think he's crazy as a fucking, <laughs> I think he's nutty as a loon, but at the same time, I love it. 
and he's doing it, and he's looking good doing it. Yeah. And the motherfucker's in awesome shape. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, he put a ring in his backyard. Uh, we guess... He didn't just half-ass this. Uh, he didn't do the acting thing. He did it. Uh, and uh, I'm proud of him. You know, uh, I, I really am at this point. It took a while for me to be proud of him. But at this point, I'm proud of him. He's getting what he wants out of it. And he's become a really amazing character on the independent scene. Yes, he has. Uh, would you put him in the Rumble? Surprise Rumble entrant, David Arquette? Fuck yeah, I would do it. <laughs> <laughs> I would, I would, I would throw, he would get, he would get thrown in and thrown out past, faster than, uh, than, um, oh God, uh, Papa. Uh, what did Papa, uh, what was his other one? Papa oh, Sean goes, uh, 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 the pimp. What did uh, he play? Oh, Godfather. Godfather. Yeah. Remember how fast Godfather went in and Godfather went right back out. Godfather and Godfather. I at, would have. Yeah. Yep. Godfather went in and got bounced right out. I would have him get thrown out faster than Godfather. Oh man! Like he, he'd come in and before he would feet touch the ground, he'd be thrown over the top rope. Um, he's got to do one diamond cutter, man. That's all I want to see is just uh, one cutter. You know. I don't no, know. that ain't happening. All right, fine. Not unless I'm going to come out of the crowd and hit him with it. Mm. <laughs> I don't want to throw any ideas at creative there, but that's a good one. You might want to pick that one up off the floor. Uh, guys, if you've made it to the end of the uh, the interview here, I want you to give yourself a self-high five. Congratulations. Thank you for listening. Uh, I was pleasantly surprised to find out that uh, if you do DDPY, you can still have a drink every now and then. Booze is allowed as part of DDPY in moderation. Uh, so get in on it. This book is great. It's positively unstoppable. Uh, we are releasing this audio today, Tuesday, January 15th, so it's out there. Go buy the book. Go order it online. Uh, Dallas, any final words you'd like to leave everyone with here today? If you get it from Amazon, please put a review. I mean, I'd be, and, you know, you got it from me, so you, you can't do it, but other people can. And uh, I like to hear what people think, you know, so uh, um, if it helps somebody, that's great. And, not sure. I even talk about it in the book. I finish with it. You know, people will walk up to me and they will, because I get it every day, you know, in, on online, you know, especially. But, you know, it's, it's life changing. So, uh, you know, you want to really learn how to own it? It's all there now. Everything's there. Hey, bro, great talking to you. It's been your pleasure. And thank you very much, DDP, for coming on. Isn't that great? Mike, awesome. wow, time Great fly. interview. That was a great it's so fast. It's wow. So fast that interview with GDP went. Uh go catch his book. It is out now uh today. And uh it's uh it's awesome. Like I said, you know, you get to learn to exercise, eat better, you still have a beer, and there's a lot of cool stories in there about his life on the road. So go check it out. Uh one more time. Uh the weekly is going live Tuesday through Thursday, right here, noon Eastern, Tuesdays with Michael Weissman, Wednesday, Thursday with Justin Labar. Come back in. We'll always be featuring uh, exclusive audio. Uh, like I said, we've got Gold Dust uh, on tomorrow's show. Thursday's show is going to feature Brody King. And uh, we've also got uh, all kinds of interviews. I still got on the road from Tessa Blanchard, LAX, receiving their uh, Wrestling Inc. Uh, 2018 awards. So anything can happen here. Maybe we'll run a contest. Who knows? Uh, I did promise you an announcement uh, at the end of the show about a party I'm hosting here in Chicago. Uh, it's going to be at Duffy's. Bar and Grill. Now, if you've become to those parties for the past year, we typically bring in a big name. But with me starting the new job and being on the road, uh, we didn't quite get it together. So it's going to be a completely free event. You can come wow. party with me, my buddy Ross Berman, 
at Duffy's. We got 50 big HD flat screen TVs. They're all going to be showing the Royal Rumble. We'll probably play a game where everybody can drink and play, watch the Rumble. I don't know. It's going to be ridiculous. It's called go to the bar and drink a beer. (laughs) Come drink with Nick Hausman. Watch watch the Royal Rumble at, at Duffy's in Chicago. Uh, that'll be going on. Doors will open at like four o'clock, I think, for that. Also, right. I want to thank the good folks at Game Changer Wrestling. They uh, let me host their party bus for their 400 degree show this past weekend, and I had a great right. time on the bus getting drunk with uh, GCW fans. Uh, and lastly, I wanted to put over uh, your piece. Five times WWE has hit the reset button over on Wrestling Inc. Great piece, Michael. It has generated a lot of discussion. Real quickly, I thought I'd give you a moment here to, to talk about that and why people should go seek it out. Well, I did a lot of research and as far as digging back into, we all know WWE's reset itself a number of times over the years, but kind of looking back on those in this moment now where WWE just hit the reset button again a few weeks ago, kind of seeing what the impact and fallout from all those moments were. And it was really surprising to me how um, they really are out front sometimes like, you know what, we're changing direction. They let the fans know we're going somewhere different. It's very over the top and kind of in your face, but it was a lot of fun to kind of go down that memory road, memory lane and say, oh yeah, I do things I'd forgotten, um, things about Donald Trump being uh, the uh, owner of Raw for a hot minute, owner used in quotes. Yeah. So uh, check that piece out. Some fun clips on there. Kind of take, if you're an old school wrestling fan, you've been watching it for 20 years. It's kind of a great way to remember how far we've come as a wrestling business, both in better and worse uh, on WWE. And one time, WCW did it too. Uh, well, what are you working on for this week? I know you've got more in the tank as well. You want to give anybody a tease on, on new content? Well, yeah. And actually, I want to tie it into uh, one, one final thought about Raw last night. And I just want to say that Raw last night was much improved. I think it's the reset button I was expecting a few weeks ago. Um, It wasn't a fantastic show from top to bottom, but they did something different, which is they gave a lot of the segments, what I was to call, they gave it stakes. There was a reason for the guys to be out there and fighting each other more than just, oh, I don't like you. You know, you take that final segment, it was an Intercontinental Championship match, and then there was a Universal Championship match in the line. Stakes matter in professional wrestling. And so what I'm diving into is something that came out last week in the AEW stuff, something that was mentioned, but nobody's really talked a whole lot about, and that is Cody Rhodes said wins and losses are going to matter in AEW. I think that could be a potential game changer. We've seen this before. We've seen it from other wrestling organizations. We've seen it overseas. But what could that look like for an American promotion? And how could that influence the professional wrestling landscape, especially across all these indies working together? Well, I'm going to take a look at that this week. All right, man, that is exciting. And, of course, uh, as you put over Raw, SmackDown is tonight. We will have coverage on the site immediately after SmackDown is over. Uh, come back here to the Wrestling Inc. YouTube channel. Raj, Matt, and Glenn will be here reviewing the show. You can chime in as well. Uh, I'm Nick Hausman at Wink Rebel over on Twitter. Mike, where do you want to send people to find you, follow you? Best place to follow me is on Twitter. I am Michael Wiseman, Michael A. Wiseman. I'm at The Real Wiseman on Twitter. Awesome, guys. Thank you so much for tuning in. I will see you tomorrow at noon Eastern here with Justin Labar. And remember, if you winked, you didn't miss it. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones 
who get it done. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.